This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, we're going to continue with our series this morning. Uh, we've been looking at Father's Design for Marriage. And I want to thank everyone for all the comments. I know God is speaking to you and ministering to you. It's so important uh, our marriages are so important because that's where we live. And our marriages, we want them to be a witness to the world of God's goodness and His grace. In the beginning, God brought Adam a beautiful wife. After spending a little bit of time with Eve, Adam said, Wow, God, look at her figure. Her face is so pretty. I really, I'm so attracted to her. You made her so beautiful. Why? God answered, so you would love her. Adam then said, her hair is so beautiful. Her skin so soft. I just want to be close to her and spend time with her. Why did you make her so wonderful? God answered, so you would love her. Then Adam said, but God, I notice she's not too bright. As a matter of fact, she's a little bit on the ditzy side. Why did you make her so dumb? God answered, so she would love you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> God is the master designer, the architect of marriage. And if we want to have a successful marriage, we need to do things his way. Your marriage will not work. It will never be what God intended for it to be if you don't do it the way God designed it. If you don't follow His Word, His plan, it will not happen. And great marriages don't happen by accident. They happen because of hard work and investing time in each other, investing in that relationship. So it's not accident, it's on purpose that a great marriage takes place. But it will only work when we do it God's way. In Matthew 7, verse 24, Jesus tells us, and I want you to look at this from a marriage standpoint. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now think about your, your marriage. The marriage will stand even when storms come against it. And Jesus says there will be rain, there will be winds, storms will come against your marriage. But if you're on the rock, what's the rock? Hearing the word and doing it. When you're built on that, even when the storms come and the storms go, you're still standing. You're still strong. And that's what God wants for our marriage. And the only way to do that is to hear the word 
and make a decision that his word is truth and I'm going to do what he says. You have to choose to do what God says. It's a choice. He won't make you do it. You choose to do it. You choose to do what God says. So together we stand as a couple in your marriage. You stand even when the storms. And that storm can be uh, something in your health. It can be something at your finances or whatever. A storm that can put stress on your marriage. You're to go to the Word and say, I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to do what the Word says. And you will stand even when the storm comes. Because there will be a storm. A lot of people get married and they don't think there will be any storms. We're just going to live on love. The Bible says storms will come. Anybody tried to live that living on love? We're the love boat. Don't need to hear about problems, issues. Our love will carry us through. No, you better have your love built on the Word of God and, and be committed to standing even in the storm, obeying God's Word and doing what He says to do. So Father's design, what is His design? This is the design that pleases Him, and we've learned this, that the wife is to submit to her husband, and how does she do that? She brings respect and honor to her husband. And then the husband is to take the responsibility of being really a, a type of source like Jesus is, a provision of protection, of strength, encouragement, bringing provision emotionally, financially, providing for her her needs. That is God's design for marriage. His plan will work. His plan is always blessed. So we do it, need to do it His way. So I've got there in your notes, husband spells love, R-E-S-P, <laughs> E-C-T, respect, respect and honor. That's the way, that's what tugs at a man's heart when he's respected and honored. The wife spells love, security. Security. When she knows that you will lay down your life for her, it brings her security. That's love. That's her love language. And, and let me recommend the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. It's an excellent book. If you've not read that, it'd be a great book to read as a couple. And you can see the way you're, you're molded and shaped, what meets your needs, and put it into action. Because really, this thing is about meeting needs. God has equipped the man to meet the needs of his wife, and the wife's been equipped to meet the needs of her husband. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying we do it by faith. We do it because God said to do it. In Ephesians 5.22, and we looked at this, and we're still there. The blueprint for a successful marriage is in, in Ephesians chapter 5. We're still, we're still talking about these first, first two. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, 
as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. So the husband, we've seen, has the responsibility to be the head of his wife. And I wanted to cover this in just a little bit different way to help you uh, understand and see this. Even in the natural, you can see this many times. Uh, let, me, uh, let me have three married couples just stand up. Three married couples, stand up and, and just come down. Just come down here. Come down here. You, you. Okay. Y'all come up. You can see this in the, in the natural. Let me have Marilyn, you get, just stand right there. Angie, stand right here. Right here. Now I want to ask you, what do you see? <laughs> Above Marilyn's head. I hope you see the head of Mike. If you don't, we need to pray for your eyes. But... <laughs> Here, above Angie's head, we see Zach's head. Here, the same thing. Even in the natural, you will see the headship. Now, don't go home and measure your spouse and say, well, it didn't work for me, I need a new one. No, no. This is just a, a general, uh, general way that normally... You see this. Now, as she gives him respect and honor, what happens to him, that's his love language. You know what? It sparks that unconditional love in him, and it can become so powerful, he will climb the highest mountain, swim the ocean. I mean, that's what it does to him when he receives that respect. That, that's the part of him that... Uh, grabs his heart because why? He's designed that way. He's designed that way. Men are designed to protect their wives, to provide for them, to be that supply. Now, what also means the final decision would be with the, the head. Got a head here. Say amen. amen. If there was a situation, and, and let me say this when we talk about submission, it doesn't mean that she doesn't have voice. I wouldn't want any other way. I want to hear because I know my wife hears from God. I want to hear, I want counseling. And most of the time, it's not even an issue. The longer you walk together, it's less of a, an, even an issue with this. But there are times, can be where you don't this don't agree, and then the man has to make the decision, even with the counsel of his wife, and say, "Look, we're going to go this way." Because there can be women are more emotional. There can be things affecting them, but when a man is passive, and even when he knows in his heart that that's the wrong way. He goes with his wife. He'll, he's taking the lead from his wife. He'll never fulfill the purpose that God has for him. In fact, he'll stop feeling like a man. That's the reason you have dominant women 
who have taken the place of the man. She's miserable and he's miserable because they're not designed to flow that way, to work that way. But some men will do it in the name of peace, but that compliance to that peace will cost you more later. Because it's wrong if you're the head to go against what's in your heart. Does it mean you're, you're going to be perfect? No. You're going to make mistakes. And that's where you even learn to listen to your wife. Oh, you were right. But see, this is where she submits. She, she doesn't go, I told you so. I knew this was going to happen. That's not submission. You know what she does? She comes back with encouragement and support. Because when the head makes that decision, submission says, I'm in agreement. See, before you don't need submission until there's disagreement. Because you're in agreement. But when there's disagreement is when submission kicks in. This is the way God designed it. Now Abraham, it says that Sarah called him Lord. And what that, the picture is that, that Laura has, Dennis, she has a covering here. But there's also another covering. And when, let's say that you as a wife, you have trouble submitting to your husband because he's not praying about decisions. He's not there spiritually what you want, but you're following God. And here's what happens. When Laura submits to Dennis, she's submitting to God. She's doing what God says to do. And she can call upon the Lord above Dennis, and he will take care of her. Amen. He will take care of her. But when she tries to change Dennis, you can't change somebody. Only God can change somebody. Have you noticed that? Have you been there, tried that? I have many times. It don't work. God has to change them. But see, when I do my part, you do your part, whatever that part is, it allows God to change them. Because you get in the way. And, and sometimes, you know, the Bible talks about a nagging wife. You know what that does? It closes his ears. You think it's helping, it closes his ears. He's not even hearing you anymore. Amen. <laughs> Let's give these three a hand. <laughs> But what I want you to see is the wife has a covering. She has a covering. That's what this really, the responsibility that the husband takes is to cover his wife. And that, that means when there's a, something emotionally heavy, he's to come along and lift that for her. You remember we saw that he is to treat her as the weaker vessel. It didn't say she's the weaker vessel, but you, you treat her, you take the responsibility of treating her as if she's the weaker vessel. Then that means something comes against her, it's coming against you while you're the covering. Something comes against the wife, it should need to go through the covering. 
your wife gets hit with something emotionally, it's got the covering here. What's the covering do? Maybe it's going to be all right. We're going to pray. We're going to seek God. God's going to come through. The strength to her in what she needs. She needs to talk. You need to listen. Let her get it, get it out there. We talked about she already knows the answer probably anyway. She doesn't want your opinion. She just wants you to listen. What's that doing? That's covering her. That's being a covering for her. What wife would not want to submit to someone who is treating her with unconditional love and being a protection to her, being a provision for her, meeting her needs, being like Jesus is to the church, a source. I'm telling you, when the husband's walking in that, it's almost automatic because she is built to respond. She is built to respond. That's why she's designed. It doesn't mean that she's... This is the order of God. God's a God of order. It doesn't mean that the woman is less. I don't believe that. Someone has to take responsibility. That's what it's about. The husband is responsible. It's his duty to act as a covering for his wife. It's his responsibility to cover her. But it doesn't mean that she's a doormat. doesn't mean that she doesn't have the same uh, capacities as you do. It's not true at all. It's just that God, his special creation woman, he wanted her to have a covering here on this earth plus him. She's doubly blessed. The Bible says that two become one. When you're joined to the Lord, it says we become one with Him. The Bible says you, even your own body is not yours. It belongs to your wife. Same, the wife's body belongs to the husband. I know some of your husbands go, oh, all right. Her body is mine. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true, but your body can also take the trash out. She needs your body to do some things. She's tired too. Get off the TV and the video games and the couch and get up and take your body and do something. Amen. <laughs> this, this covering, this is a, a true story that this, this covering goes... It covers the wife and covers the kids. A man had two daughters who were away at college. They were at different college campuses. And they were engaged to be married. And they were coming home. It was the day before they were coming home to, to see their parents. And that night... The father was asleep and woke up in the middle of the night full of lust, experiencing lustful thoughts and everything. And he jumps up out of bed and starts praying. And he's praying, and then it lifts, and then he goes 
uh, back to sleep. The next day, his, his daughters come home. They bring their uh, fiancé, is that right? Yeah. Home with them. And they both share privately, separately, and said, almost went too far last night. Almost went too far. But something happened. Abruptly, we came to attention and just stopped. Why did that happen? It's because those two daughters were still submitted to their father as their covering. And what the enemy was trying to do was to break through and steal what these two daughters had kept sacred until they got married. And were about that close to get married, to, to, to have sex together, to give that up, the Father's covering protected them. That's how strong this covering is. Something comes against your wife, sir, you rise up with the covering that you are, and you pray. Well, my wife prays more than me. Let me tell you, you have authority to pray for her. Well, I just don't have time. Make time. It's too important. God's called you to pray for your family and to cover them. An intruder breaks into your house. Or you hear noise outside. You don't wake your wife up and say... Hey, honey, I hear something outside. Uh, go look in the closet. There's a bat in there. or See if you can find the pistol. <laughs> go take care of that. I'll be behind you. <laughs> That's not a covering. That's not a covering. That's not the way it's supposed to be. This, this being uh, afraid to submit is a fear that the enemy's bringing. And you've got to trust God. And you do it by, you do it by faith. Ephesians 5.33, However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. We're told how to think, how to act towards, our, towards the husband. You're to believe the best, expect the best, a godly wife will build her husband up. That respect and that honor will win his heart. But how do you do it? I don't feel like submitting to him. I don't feel like there's anything to respect. Well, that's where you get to do it by faith. The Word says that when you step out in faith, you activate the grace of God in that situation. So you start saying... God, I'm submitted to the husband that you sent to me. He's a godly man. He, he loves me and, and our, our children with the love of the Father. He is a provider. He brings provision emotionally, financially, in every way. And I honor him and I respect him as God's grace gift to me. He's a great covering. You just start, and you know what happens as you do that? Because you're designed to incubate 
It goes inside of you. And that's all confession and really speaking the word is. You're getting it in there. You're meditating on that thing. And all of a sudden, one day, it takes on life. And your emotions connect with that. And then that love that you've been missing out, you feel again. You feel that emotion of love for your husband. If you will honor and respect your husband, as unto the Lord, this in your note, your feelings will eventually change. Honor and respect him not where he is, but where you want him to be. That's faith. Admire your husband. In marriage, your life is not your own. Jesus tells us to take his yoke upon us. He's uh, of lowly heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Well, when we're yoked up together in marriage, there's rest for the soul. And it's not a heavy burden if you each are taking your role, your responsibility. If not, you're not yoked up right. And it's a heavy burden. And there's no rest for your soul. But when you recognize and understand your responsibility and your position, you're yoked up together and there's rest for your soul. And the burden is light. But if you're yoked up the way the world is, you're not going to find any rest. So we're to be yoked up together in marriage. Walking together. The yoke that he's talking about is when cattle were yoked up together, there was strength in it. See, there's a saying in the world that says, behind every great man is a great woman. That's not biblical. The biblical thing says you're yoked up together. Beside every great man is a great woman. Beside. You're walking together as a team. It's just that he has responsibility. Both spouses have a covenant obligation to God and each other to protect the relationship. When you are threatened in your marriage because maybe the time, energy, attention, resources are being given somewhere else that rightfully belong to you because you own each other, you feel threatened. And that's when jealousy comes. Well, isn't jealousy a sin? Sometimes it can be a sin when it's perverted, when it's a perverted jealousy. A perverted jealousy is when I'm giving my time and attention and, and trying to take something that I don't own that's not rightfully mine. Or I'm trying to hold on to something that's not mine. That is a perversion of jealousy. But when it's something that you own and you own your spouse and you feel threatened, you feel violated, that is a holy jealousy that comes up in you. Let me give you a verse to help you. Exodus 34, 14. You must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is Jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Now let me tell you, if it was a sin to be jealous, God wouldn't call himself jealous. 
he says when he is threatened with uh, the relationship being broken, he feels violated. He is... He is jealous over our relationship with him. When you give your time and energy and attention to something or or someone that rightfully belongs to him, says he's jealous. He's threatened. In fact, he said that when Israel did that, he said, you're an adulterer because you're not giving me what is rightfully mine. But in the husband and wife situation, See, if you're not putting each other first with your time, attention, energy, and resources, the other spouse will feel violated. Or maybe you're violating each other. And that thing's not going to stand. You are bought with a price by the Lord Jesus Christ. Your life belongs to Him. But you're bought with a price when you enter into the covenant of marriage and you no longer are your own. You give up your rights, your opinions you're, you sacrifice for each other and you belong to each other two have become one so ladies you've got to protect that relationship you've got to put him first that means the kids can't be first shopping can't be first whatever it is facebook whatever it is can't be first same with the husband you have to put her first if it's sports, video games, whatever, job, you have to put her first. That's what the Bible tells us, that you no longer are your own. You belong to each other. If you allow anything or anyone to take the time and energy that rightfully belongs to your spouse, you're violating Father God's design for marriage. When we keep our marriage higher than anything else except God, then marriage will be awesome. See, God designed marriage to get better. It's supposed to get better. You get to know each other more. You're, there's more understanding. It's, it's supposed to get better, not go the other way. Both spouses having their needs met. And you stop being selfish and you, you start thinking about your spouse above yourself. What's best for them? What's best for her? What's best for him? That uns- you become unselfish. And you want more for them than you want for yourself. And stop, stop with this. Marriage is a covenant. We touched on it some. It's a a solemn, serious uh, agreement. You can't say it's a contract. It's much stronger than a contract. Covenant means to cut. Jesus was cut for us. His sacrifice. Adam was cut And God reached in and took a rib out, made Eve. Husband, are you ready to be cut for your wife? What's that mean? Are you ready to sacrifice? Sacrifice. And it, it is both ways. We both spouses make sacrifice. But the man sacrifices 
his time, legitimate things that may be fun for him to make sure his home is strong, his wife is blessed, his children are on the right path in the right direction. He sacrifices it. Jesus gave up his rights. He, he took on our responsibilities. He was cut for us. So husband, you got to give up all your rights in order to meet your wife's needs. Even to the point of death. That's what the Word says. Even to the point of death. There's going to be some dying in your life if you're meeting all the needs of your wife. And all the guys, amen. <laughs> A contract means you're free from the obligations of it if the other party does not live up to the agreement, covenant commitment, it doesn't matter what the other party does. You still live up to the provisions. Think about Jesus and the covenant. If you don't live up to the provisions or the agreement, He still does. God does not change His mind about the promises because you're acting like even. The promises are still true. Jesus does not take His blood back. He doesn't change his mind about you. He fulfills the covenant. But that's the way it's supposed to be in a man and a, and a woman's marriage. They fulfill the commitment. Let me just say this. It's not, God doesn't hold you responsible for your spouse. He will require of you to answer for your part, what you're supposed to be doing. Not what your spouse is supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing before the Lord. That means husband, when she says, I want you to do something, you go inside. You want me to do what? Don't you know what I've been doing? Well, she just doesn't appreciate how hard I work. All these things. No, you let it die, said no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And you know what happens? Respect and honor. Romans 5, 8, 9, 5, 8, uh, but God demonstrated His own love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Closing. Have I already said Closing. Closing. Got way too much information. Every covenant has a redeemer. What's a redeemer? The person who will die first for that covenant. My question to you will you die for your marriage covenant? Who will die first? Now, I will tell you who it should be it should be the man. That's not always the case. Who will die to themselves? Who will pay the price as that Redeemer? Because the strength of covenant is having a Redeemer. Now when you both are Redeemers, you're both dying, that's when you experience a great marriage. You both died to self. That's when you have an awesome marriage.
Let me say this in your notes. A loving husband can heal a dishonoring wife. A honoring wife can heal an unloving husband. What happens to a believer when you die? Everybody say heaven. What happens to a spouse, a, a, a marriage, a couple in a marriage covenant when they both die to self? What is there after death? Heaven. A heaven-designed marriage. A f- marriage made in heaven. A marriage that is walking and experiencing Father's design when you both die to self. Saying, God, I'm going your way. I don't care if it hurts. I don't care what it costs. I know there's grace. I know there's strength. I know there's ability. I know you and I trust you, Father. And he wants you to have a marriage that will be witnessed by those around you and say, There is a couple that God's hand is upon. And they will know there's a difference. It will open up the doors for you to witness and to minister to others. That's what God wants. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for your word. We praise you and we worship you. We give you honor. We thank you for the marriage covenant. We thank you, Lord. You said it's not good for man to be alone. And Lord, you, you brought a helpmate. We thank you for the covenant. And Father, we thank you for all the singles among us because you said that they would have spiritual covering. That they would be joined to family and they're not without. God, we thank you. I want to ask you a question before we leave here. If you were to die, If you were to die tonight, lay your head down and you don't wake up, would you go to heaven? Because your answer will determine if you go or not. Maybe you think, well, I'm a good person. There's no place in the Bible that says that a good person will go to heaven. It's not there. Or maybe you say, Look, my parents were Christians and they said I was a Christian. That's the reason I'll go. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't matter who calls you a Christian. That won't get you there. Maybe you say, well, I love God. That's the last thing that the terrorists said when they flew those planes into the World Trade Center. They said they loved God. But let me tell you, it was the wrong God and a wrong demonstration of love. He said, well, I believe in God. That won't get you saved. The devil believes in God. But he's not getting saved. Someone needs to be honest with you and value you enough to tell you the truth. If you're thinking any of those things, you're not going to make it. You're not going to heaven. And the Bible teaches us there is a heaven and a hell. But you can choose Him. How do you get saved? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. 
In John chapter 3, he said, you must be born again. Well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. That you give all your heart and all your life to Jesus Christ. That's how you get to heaven. That's how you get there. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to get saved and belong to Him. Maybe you prayed this before, but you never walked with the Lord. You need to get in on this too. I don't want you to miss heaven. I don't want you to go to hell. But no one can make that choice for you. You choose. No one looking around. I want you right now to lift up your hand if that's you and say, I'm choosing Jesus today. I'm going to give all my heart and all my life to Him. Thank you, Lord. Yes, see the hand. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. See the hand, yes. Anyone else? See the hand, yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for these responding to your call of salvation. We're going to pray together. At the end of service, prayer partners will be down here. I want you to come down and let them minister to you because this is the most important decision that you ever can make. And God's proud of you. And He welcomes you into the family. Let's pray this together, church. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I give all my heart and I give all my life to follow Jesus. Thank you for saving me, Lord. I now belong to you. I'll follow you. Fill me with your spirit. Strengthen me to live for you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.